Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. Yes, all of that, that plus, that plus others. Yeah. So uh, we have a friend that's morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. So now he's, uh, they kicked him out of the hospital, Kaiser, yes, Kaiser. And after 20 days, they kicked him out and he wrote an appeal letter and they let him stay 10 more days, but he's not able to do anything at his house. He can't get up out of bed by himself. Wow, that's tough. It is. Yeah, that's a tough, tough ailment. Uh, yeah, it is. So w- when you mentioned about um, people, uh, you know, social media and overweight, you know, they stay. If you stay away from the subject, that's not good either. Well, uh, but it's not good to take advantage of people by putting false ads on uh, social media. So, so it's a balance, and they decided that they were banned uh, those uh, things. So. Are you talking about when they advertise that you can take this particular food and this particular? Uh, over-the-counter stuff to lose weight, that's false advertising. Yes. <laughs> because the yes. only way to really lose weight is to uh, do something to change your uh, metabolic system. Yeah, there, there are a number of ways. Uh, surgery is one way. Uh, and uh, uh, psychological treatments are another. Uh, and some, some people are effectively managed by a number of different mechanisms. So to, so they, they, and there's so many false advertisements that they decided to ban them, so. So the, uh, the surgery you're speaking of is a bypass surgery? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I understand that you, before you get that surgery, you've got to make sure that the person somehow is not going to go back to those poor eating habits. Yeah, that, that's what you're trying to do, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and it's interesting how, uh, how uh, for some people it works and some people it doesn't. The psycho- psychological aspects as well as the surgical aspects. Okay, I guess it's time to okay, start. Thank right you. You can and you can start it. Yeah. Oh, this is an interesting one that I thought <laughs> would provoke discussion because uh, I'm sure everybody <laughs> read about how uh, uh, this author was uh, supposed to get a uh, tenure position at uh, University of North Carolina. And uh, they decided to accept her, but not to give her tenure. Uh, and uh, as a consequence, she rejected it. And uh, uh, this caused a number of uh, issues. And then she decided she would come to Howard and uh, uh, she, along with Tahishi Coates, uh, both Pulitzer Prize winning journalists. 
and uh, this, this provoked a lot of conversation. Uh, any of you have any different thoughts about the 1619 project that she uh, caused so much furor? Anybody know anything about either of these people? No response, so nobody, huh? I don't know about the project. What's that? You said something about the 1619 project. Right, yeah, I guess many of you are not aware of that project. Yeah. Well, she, uh, that's, that addresses slavery. Right, that, that she, she, she uh, says that the uh, building of the United States began with uh, that. And uh, so many of the, uh, you know, if you read some of the books, you talk about, they talk about the men who built America. Uh, they're talking about the white men who built America. <laughs> they're not talking about all these as immigrants who, who actually built America and got no credit for it. And uh, so uh, this, the very idea was uh, horrifying to uh, many and uh, the, the white supremacists that is. And as a consequence, uh, uh, although she won the Pulitzer Prize, uh, some people were very uh, horrified. The Republicans in particular were horrified by the thought that uh, she's implying that uh, uh, it, it began with, with uh, slavery in the United States, actually it began long before that, but that's not the issue because it's, it, it really is a Native American <laughs> country <laughs> in the first place. So uh, uh, we're talking about uh, relatively new stuff anyway. The old stuff is that uh, the country was taken from the Native Americans, but anyway. Anyway, that, that, that was what, what the discussion was about and uh, because uh, they, denied her tenure. She did not accept that position and then Howard uh, uh, offered her the position along with, uh, as you noticed, I don't know if you noticed that they got $20 million from an anonymous source to help uh, accomplish that. So I thought it was interesting because it uh, says a lot about uh, America and it also says a lot about uh, uh, the fact that while we are becoming a, a, a country uh, that accepts uh, people from other places. And we have done that. And that is our strength, greatest strength, by the way. Most of our important contributions have come from people who've immigrated here. So, uh, and, and that I think is one of the reasons why America is what it is today, because it has accepted people from other countries. And many people forget that uh, the people who started America here, who took the country from the Native Americans, uh, were rejected from their countries in the first place. So uh, we, we need to be more sensitive and understanding of our history. Uh, and of course, many of us grew up uh, and histories were all white American history. And uh, uh, this effort is to get us to recognize that uh, America is a uh, uh, in many ways, a blending pot, and uh, uh, is, is, is really founded on uh, immigration. Anyway, those are some thoughts. Any, any other thoughts about this concept? Uh, 
uh, just to put it in perspective, I would say that, uh, and the 1619 Project says that America is only a wealthy country because of the free labor from black people. So, uh, yeah, there are contributions from other societies uh, all over the world, but that is like 90% of the reason why America is a so-called great country is on the backs of us. So I think that's a perspective I'd like to add. Any other thoughts? That's an interesting perspective because uh, uh, there's a lot of data that backs that perspective. But it also backs my perspective as well. Why didn't they give her tenure? Because she's black. Oh, okay. And because she had the, the, the idea that uh, Americans founded by black, black Americans, you know, black slaves. And, and of course, in the South, they took great issue with that because it's the truth. Uh, Dr. Callender, uh, the person that gave $20 million, um, do you think that happened possibly because of guilt? We'll never know because it's anonymous. Yeah, why did you give them so much money, Dr. Callender? <laughs> it's, it's anonymous. I'm not going to, I refuse to answer that question because it's, uh, Self-incriminating, I know. Yes, absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, and, and it presumes that I have twenty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The other thing I think: if I had a, a hundred people working for me, and I didn't have to pay them anything, I'd be rich too. Right. <laughs> and and if you increase that by about a, a couple of thousand. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, Dr. Callender, what, what this whole um, uh, topic brings up for me, uh, you know, uh, coming up, being raised up on that uh, suspect history that we were taught. I mean, we had Negro History Week, and we only learned about four or five Black people <laughs> that, that were, you know, athletes or... Um, opera singers or whatever, or, or jazz musicians, but they they didn't say, and I, I didn't learn about this till much later, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all them guys had slaves. They, right. they, they were plantation owners with slaves. And, right. uh, uh, you know, are we gonna tear down the, uh, the Washington Monument? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it, it makes you wonder about the the merit of uh, tearing down these things. I think they should all be put in one location, maybe, uh, because it's our history. <laughs> it like is. it or not, it's our history. Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought it would be interesting to, to share some thoughts on that. And uh, Any other perspectives? Um, I'm back to tenure again. I have a friend of mine who wasn't offered a position at Howard University, but yet went somewhere else. And he was saying that the white establishments accepted him before Howard. And uh, maybe it goes both ways. I don't know, I've heard both. And so um, I guess they have different criteria of whatever. Absolutely, every school has its own criteria. Right. The difference in the, this case though, is that, uh, uh, the uh, board denied tenure. 
Uh, that was the difference there. Often the, the uh, colleges, uh, they make a decision about tenure and recommend it to the board. Then the board rubber stamps it. But uh, in this issue, uh, the board denied it. Okay, let's go to the next one if there's no further discussion. Uh, but this is an interesting uh, article because it addresses natural alternatives. When we talk about uh, prescriptions, we tend to forget about the natural uh, alternatives. And so these are just five drugs to which there are natural alternatives that might be helpful uh, without some of the side effects that, that uh, uh, some of the medications we, we order uh, cause. Uh, one of the thoughts about the opioid, uh, uh, I guess, epidemic is that uh, it, it might begin with somebody taking pain medication for a short period of time and then wind up with them being addicted to the drug. So so this is to keep in mind what are the uh, medications that we could use uh, to overcome that we don't have the side effects. And uh, so this is uh, a blood pressure medicine, uh, one of the medications that uh, has side effects. Uh, and uh, uh, here's a, a hibiscus is something that uh, you can taste that naturally, it doesn't have that many side effects. And uh, this is a an, an, uh, product of nature. And, it, uh, and many of these uh, drugs uh, uh, that are not found in nature do have counterparts that uh, can be looked at. So uh, this, this study looked at the antihypertensive effects of hibiscus uh, and uh, they found that uh, it was also effective. And, uh, could be used in place of uh, lisinopril with uh, without the side effects. So there, there's still other uh, studies that need to be done, but it suggests that this herbal medicine uh, could be uh, could replace the drug that we we uh, we prescribe so often. Now, uh, the next yeah, I was I was. Picking up on what, what you just said, uh, that okay, hibiscus can be used and uh, it may have other side effects. It's, it's not a, a perfect substitute, but uh, it, it, it could have other effects on the body, you know. Yeah, we just haven't identified it. Uh... Uh, the side effects, any side effects of the hibiscus, but uh, that, that study remains to be done. But uh, you can see that it's just as, as effective. So, has anybody had hibiscus tea, sour tea? Because it doesn't sound delectable. It's delicious. <laughs> it didn't sound that way to me. It's delicious. The tea is delicious. It is. It is. It's very so why good. do they name it sour tea? It, okay. Uh, it it doesn't taste that well. The uh, the version at uh, that they usually have in, in coffee shops and whatever 
it isn't that isn't that sour. It's not a sweet tea, but it's it's refreshing. I'll put it that way. For me, that's I like it. Well, Dr. Calendar, I would be surprised if hibiscus uh, didn't have side effects like other medicine because it would dispel our saying that all drugs have side effects. Well, that's why they talk about this because it's not really uh, considered a drug. It's considered a natural product that uh, uh, so far they haven't identified that side effects. So. And they don't, they don't consider it a drug either. Maybe okay. no side effects. There's no side effects to water. <laughs> unless unless we we toxic make it toxic by stuff we put in it. Which yes. has happened, of course. And then metformin is of course a drug that is uh, used for many purposes, especially for uh, uh, diabetes. Uh, and it, it has its side effects, as we know, although it's, it has been thought of as a great drug for diabetes, uh, it does have uh, side effects. And inositol is a sugar-derived product that uh, can be used in place of metformin in there, just letting you know that this is another alternative. But again, it's a sugar-derived fruit. Uh, so... Polycystic ovarian syndrome is not a common syndrome, so it's not something that you'd commonly see. Everybody knows about sleeping pills. Zopiderm so is one of the top 100 most prescribed drugs that I've prescribed it myself. And uh, some people do complain about this zombie-like state. And uh, they recommend melatonin, although I must admit when I've used melatonin, uh, Good morning. Good morning. It hasn't been as effective as uh, as some other sleep medication. So, uh, have any of you used melatonin? Yeah, uh, I don't like it, but uh, you know, melanin uh, helps you sleep better, and you can promote your body's production of melanin by staying in sunlight. So you get that twenty minutes, at least twenty minutes of sunlight a day, will help you sleep better. My husband takes it. Does it work for him? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the beginning, but then he'll wake back up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been effective for some people, but some people it, it's not. Uh, I, I know your husband, Betty. He, <laughs> he needs to go outside. That's, that's just 20, what I was getting ready to say. And get his 20 minutes, 40 minutes of sunlight. He's an owl. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because he stays in the house all the time, like, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, not, not tart cherry, cherry juice is nothing I, I, I'm familiar with. Any of you try tart cherry juice for uh, uh, insomnia? Somebody told my husband, too, when he had his uh, knee replacement and one of the nurses at the rehab told him about uh, cherry juice. I don't know what they told him it was supposed to do, but for a while he started drinking it, but then he stopped, so I, I don't really know. It's supposed to help you fall asleep uh, for people who can't 
fall asleep okay. and have insomnia. Okay. I know uh, my twin brother, after he lost his wife, he had insomnia for a month. And uh, not fun. Mm -hmm. I heard that it was, a, I've seen it in the grocery store, and I heard that it was supposed to help with um, gout, that tart cherry juice. Oh, okay. Gout, yeah. My husband's had that, so maybe that was what they told him about. I don't know. And of course, we so know. Go ahead. So it helps with uh, insomnia too, cherry yes. juice? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now, this is our transplant based on steroids, and there are other anti-inflammatories, but uh, uh, they have their own side effects, as we well know. Uh, and here we are back again to turmeric again, which uh, is a an, an excellent anti-inflammatory, which uh, uh, can be used. Uh, uh, in place of uh, drugs like that, although uh, I'm not suggesting you would replace that for a transplant patient. But if you're taking some other uh, uh, drugs for arthritis, uh, it's worth a try anyway. And then of course, I know uh, you can be interested in this because uh, uh, proton pump inhibitors uh, uh, what is used to treat carrots, and they have their own side effects. Uh, um, and these are products that uh, may be used in place of it, although I'm not at all that impressed with aloe vera, but they recommend uh, uh, aloe vera as a product. You know, you find aloe vera in almost everything now nowadays. <laughs> But they talk about 10 C's to reduce the severity of GERDs, uh, which of course is uh, uh, aloe is not associated with as many side effects as, as the uh, proton inhibitors are, especially if you're using them for years. Uh, and so it's, it's good to know that this is an option. And you might discuss that with your, your doctor, uh, John, when you're going again. I was taking aloe uh, drink. It comes from uh, Korea. Uh, you can get it at, at the giant. Uh, but I think it's, it has sugar or something in it, which, uh, you know, makes it probably less effective or, or, or you know, uh, other symptoms, you know, can come from the sugar, the weight gain and stuff like that. But I remember going down to the island yeah. time. I think it was uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, they they met us in in the lobby with this uh, aloe drink, and it, it was delicious. So that that's why I picked up on it. I found it at the grocery store. I really like it. You know, it's interesting. I was watching the. Uh... The swimming trials, and I thought of you. It's Dr. Amazing. Counter. Yes. Uh, where does Rifa fall in this category? Say again. Where does Rifa? What you know, natural natural remedies. I, I I don't I don't know what which one 
you're talking about. Right in there, that's what I was asking. You know, they were talking more and more about, um, can't, what do you call it, Cambodia, Rifa, you know, oh, when pot. people smoke. Oh, pot. Rifa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, pot. <laughs> they, they, they have used, uh, uh, when you say Rifa, I didn't realize you are talking about marijuana. They have used that for um, uh, eye condition, glaucoma. Uh, but, uh, uh, and they have used it in some instances for uh, some pain relief, but... Uh, it, it doesn't fit. So it's not a natural remedy for? No. Oh. No. Okay. That's one of those drugs with side effects. A lot of side effects. Oh, okay. But CBD? Yeah. There's a lot of products out with, the, with, the, with you know, reef, I mean, or pot in it. Yeah, right. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> But it's using the CBD oil bag when you yeah, have and they use that for uh, a lot of arthritis. a lot of used for anorexia. Uh, it's, a, it's supposed to be very effective for anorexia. I uh, use a CBD cream on on painful joints. My doctor gave it to me, and it it works, but it does not have the hallucinogen in it. Yeah, my mom uses it also cream. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's okay. one thing we need to study. Maybe we do an investigation on that. Talk about all the gummy bears, bears. Yeah, they're, they're, there's a lot of products that uh, take advantage of uh, of uh, the natural uh, form of uh, marijuana. Right. I have a question. If you eat the gummy bears, will they show up in your fatty cells? Say what? If you eat the uh, CBD gummy bears, will they show up in your um, fatty cells for long I, term? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Okay. Next one, John. Uh, this is an article on healthy foods that we think are very healthy that uh, aren't quite as healthy as we think. Uh, uh, and I think that uh, uh, I think it speaks for itself. Some of them we we don't really think are healthy, but anyway, you can go down the list. Flavored and low-fat yogurt. I think we've talked about that before. <clears throat> that uh, uh, one of the issues is they have so much sugar in them, and that has been the side effect that uh, uh, has been considered. Probiotics. Uh, is an interesting one that uh, uh, that's what is what that's great about uh, yogurt, but the sugar content is what is the problem uh, for yogurt. Fruit juice is another one that uh, here again it's the same issue. Uh, it's natural, but you lose all of the benefits of uh, of the fruit. Uh, and uh, many of, I shouldn't say all, many of the benefits of the fruit. And uh, uh, it's important that you should have fruit juices that have no added sugar. Uh, but even that is not as good as the, as the fruit itself. Uh, so, but anyway, I like the conclusion, avoid fruit juice, stick to whole fruits whenever possible. And then the vegetable chips, thought of as a way uh, uh, to 
make eating vegetables attractive. Uh, they're often so processed that uh, you lose the value of uh, the vegetables. Uh, in addition to which they contain more calories, mm-hmm. more fat. So, mm-hmm. what, what about canned fruits? Canned what? Fruit. Oh, oh, I don't know. They don't talk about canned because canned fruits are actually a fruit. Okay. Uh, the problem, I would suspect, the problem with canned fruits, and uh, at least I had to wait Daryl to give me some feedback that they would have. Uh, probably far too much sugar in them, but I don't know. Yeah, far uh, too much sugar. Uh, so be- same thing like fruit juice. Avoid the juice. Avoid the cans. Get the um, you know the the whole fruit. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, a, there's also another reason for avoiding cans. There have been a lot of studies recently that show that there is a direct correlation between aluminum and Alzheimer's or dementias. Um, that aluminum is leached through um, tinfoil, uh, cans, et cetera. So uh, try to avoid anything with aluminum as well as cans. The other thing about canned fruits is that it's the syrup that's inside the can that's really, really full of sugar. They put those canned fruits and they have a lot of, uh, they have, uh, uh, you know, sugar in them because there's a syrup. There's a syrup inside. And again, everybody knows this, that, you know, shelf life is very important. Mm-hmm. And so when you put salt and sugar in it, it increases the shelf life. And then the companies don't run out of business. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, uh, I started getting uh, pineapple, you know, and if you look at the shelf, you'll see that the pineapple chunks and bits and pieces, they they can come in like plain or pineapple juice or the syrup like John was talking about. So we we need to start looking at the labels. Yeah, get it without that. You know, to see how these things are are packaged. Um, The old fashioned way, uh, when I was growing up, I used to help my mother can stuff but we put them in glass jars, you know, you know, when you made jelly and et cetera, and all those preservatives, of course it was homemade, but you would put that wax on top of it and cellophane wax. But um, I guess that was healthier for you because it was in jars without the cans, aluminum cans. So if you see things like, well, I know pickles have too much salt, but there are some products that are still coming in jars. Would that be safer for you than a can, like beets and et cetera? Yeah. I don't know the difference. As from your mother is always safer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one is the uh, low-fat peanut butter, which is interesting for those people who are worried about low-fat. And the substitute is they, <laughs> they give you more sugar. Uh, and so uh, that conclusion is stick to the natural peanut butter. But anyway. Uh, yeah, they used to say stuff about sugar substitutes and it was ended up, it seemed like sugar was better than some of the alternatives. Well, I don't know that sugar is better than the alternatives because mm-hmm. sugar is pretty, 
we, we, most of us are addicted to sugar, but it's uh, killing us. And there's a lot of data that shows that uh, much of our uh, arteriosclerosis began with our addictions to sugar. So it's tough to be worse than sugar. Avoid sugar, artificial sweeteners, and throw away all your aluminum pans and aluminum foil. The oh, thing, oh, okay. The thing about sugar substitutes, there was a link to cancer. Right in animals, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, and so because of that, it is thought that uh, uh, much of the artificial sweeteners have. Except, of course, for diabetics who uh, can't eat any sugar anyway. So. <laughs> Granola is thought to be uh, a synonym for healthy food. Uh, <laughs> but when you look at the label, you realize it has a lot of carbs. So, um, any of you deal with granola? How many grams per serving of sugar can you take if you're going to take any at all? Five. Uh, five. Mm -hmm. Five grams is a good gram. Okay. That's, Not good, but if you That's daily. No, mm -hmm. per serving. No, per serving. No, that's not per serving. That's per day. Doesn't sound like much. Five grams? No, five grams. You <laughs> can do five grams a day. I'm talking about per serving. Mm. Anybody knows? Somebody mm. wants to Google it? Well, just divide five grams by 24 hours. That's all you have to do. Well, no, a natural piece I don't of think food. we eat 24 hours a day. Right. <laughs> I tell people to. Okay, I'll find out. Okay. Now, it's interesting. Salads, I thought, is a very healthy alternative. Uh, but also, they, uh, as you can see here, they have a lot of calories as well as uh, sodium. Now, when, when you say prepared salads, are you talking also about the salad in the grocery store that's packaged. I think that's what they're talking about. Oh, and okay. it's interesting. Just talking about, you know, going to a restaurant or something. But, Actually, well, you know, grocery stores have salad that they sell. No, I, I mean, just packaged in a, where the lettuce is, they have packages of salad mixed already. Well, so, I think that's what they're talking about. Okay. Well, some of those are okay, but some of them have like the add, the additional stuff in it, like the bacon bits and. Oh no, no! Things. I mean, just, yeah, yeah. just plain salad, just plain salad, salad or radishes. Okay. Or... And they're saying that it has a lot more fat than you would want, okay. and uh, more sugar. Uh, although. It's interesting, they say here that uh, some salads can have more calories and fat than a cheeseburger. <laughs> and that's because they have those taste little extras in them. Uh, yeah, salad dressing is a, a major offender. Thank you. That has the salt in it. And the sugar. 
And the fat. And the fat, right. So it's better to eat a cheeseburger than a salad. They didn't, they didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying they just said that they cut down much cheeseburger as the ultimate uh, bad thing. <laughs> and then Saturday, Saturday just spread. Let's cut up some tomato and some lettuce and eat. Oh, you got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is uh, something that uh, you might suspect anyway that more plant based food consumption will lower your risk of arteriosclerosis. And uh, this is the reason why we talk about vegetables and fruits, because uh, the meat is one of the commercial, we have the meats. The meats are what's killing us. So, and this, these slides kind of, these points here emphasize it. Yeah. Vegetables and fruits, replacing them is a, a good start. So I noticed they have a turkey up there, so. Uh, that could be a chicken. Is that what you see that as a turkey? <laughs> yeah, uh, once a year in November, Thanksgiving, it's okay to eat turkey. That could be a tofurkey, which would make it plant-based. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting that the, the third item is the a moderate consumption of chocolate and alcohol as well may reduce the risk. And that would be dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is the better version of it. And like, the, the ver version of wine would be red. Yeah, right. And they're talking about one or two glasses a, a day. Yeah. One day, 24 hours, you got to have two glasses of wine. You may, <laughs> word is may. Right. <clears throat> With or without alcohol? This is, al this is alcohol. Wine is alcohol. No, not in a Baptist church. Yeah. yeah. That's not wine. That's grape it's juice. not wine either. <laughs> it's grape juice. <laughs> and we shouldn't have juice, right? Well, that little bit ain't hurt nothing. That little, yeah, that little three cc's or five cc's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think uh, no one would argue about replacing uh, uh, red meat because we all know that that's not that is the that's one of the major causes of our increased cancer risk, among other things. You're saying red meat that does include pork, right? Yeah, beef, pork, and lamb, as it says there. But they said that pork was white meat. Yeah, that's why I said that. That's disinformation. Who said that? Who said that? Pork. No, <laughs> I don't know. People say that it's, it's red meat. Anyway. Marketing. marketing. Yeah, marketing. Yeah. But it's red meat. <laughs> they said chicken and pork is white. Well, you don't have chicken up there, so I don't know. They would say that beef is the other white meat if they could get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure pork was included in that because my husband will die if he doesn't get pork. 
Well, you can see it. Die yeah. if he does too, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why the Hebrews didn't eat pork because it's it's nasty. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh, you know possible parasites. You have to make sure that pork is cooked more thoroughly. <laughs> It's just bad stuff. Just oh. you hear my husband say, even after it's cooked, and I say yes. Bacon. <laughs> well, if it's cooked adequately, it will eliminate many of those things. But uh, yeah. but, it's, but it's still bad for you. Everything's bad for you. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you don't cook it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Okay. <laughs> now this is interesting that. Uh, Three cups of coffee and tea reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease. I agree with that one because last week, a week before last, we talked about how coffee can reduce the risk of liver disease. Yeah, yeah, caffeine. Yeah, yeah it's all related um, <laughs> to your uh, blood vessels, I guess. Yeah, and that talks about the, the advantage of the wine. Uh, uh, one glass per day, for women or beer, one can per day. Wine, two glasses per day for men. And I guess the women would wonder why, why two for men and one for women? Because they get drunk quicker. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're usually smaller. <laughs> they get drunk quicker. Uh, John, you like trouble, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Carol, Carol, go in there and get us a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> but a big one well, is three times the size of a normal man can have three drinks. Yeah, like this one in the picture. He can have about four. How to lose belly fat. That's something well, well, actually, that's a woman. Sorry about that. Yeah, it is. You say that because of the nail polish, right? It have to be. No, I said I saw the word Julie. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's a Chinese woman. That's the writer, though. That's not the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Can't always tell by nails anymore. That's what. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she could be pregnant. Get <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the subject. Two types of belly fat, subcutaneous and visceral. It's interesting how belly fat is bad, but butt fat is okay. Say that again. <laughs> belly fat is bad, but butt fat is okay. Yeah, that's the badonka dog. That's a question. How do you correlate those two? The badonka dog is always good. What is that? That's what? the question. Badonka dog. It's now. Something wrong with your sound, there. It's not clear. Take the bass. Take the bass out of your sound. He was saying butt fat is good. It's yeah, okay. It's, he it's, said it's, okay. Yeah. He didn't say good. Well, it, it's it's interesting that the there's very yeah that's right. So butt fat is not bad, but belly fat is is lethal. Uh, that's an interesting observation and many studies that confirm that and it's interesting that uh, they allege that uh, 
Black men like uh, women with big butts. Whether that's true or not is another story. But anyway. I was waiting uh, for you to say that, Dr. King. No. <laughs> because when a woman is trying to attract a man, if she has a lot of belly fat, the man runs away. But if she has butt fat, you know, he comes more to her. Yeah. No that's, comment. That's what you just said. You yeah. just said it. I wanted. No, I was waiting. Say that, John. That, that that's that's what uh, they say that. Uh, hey, that is true about us. That we prefer uh, women who have big butts. That's what See? they say. Um, they say. But but we know that big bellies are associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease and and. and and mortality rates. What are some of the things you can do to reduce that belly fat? Is that in this article? Yeah, and uh, we talk a lot about it, but uh, in terms of uh, the waist measurement, you see uh, 35 is higher than 40 is considered too, too much, and for women, higher than 35 is too much. Dr. Keller, I hear that they say men who have a lot of belly fat may have liver problems. Is that true? No, okay. I think they may have many problems. But uh, liver is uh, now if you if you have a liver problem, you can get a fluid in your belly, and that can cause your belly to swell up. Mm. And we call it ascites, but liver trouble can cause you to have a big belly. But most people who have big bellies do not have liver trouble. They're just overweight. <laughs> I know with my sister, when her belly swole up, eventually they said it was a sign of cancer. The ascites. Well, yeah, because uh, um, ovarian cancer will often manifest as uh, uh, ascites, uh, peritoneal uh, uh, when you have ovarian cancer, that's one of the ways it presents itself. Yeah. And that uh, sometimes with the polycystic ovarian complex, uh, so that uh, that's maybe a, a late sign of ovarian cancer. And that's one of the problems with ovarian cancer. It's difficult to diagnose because by the time you have symptoms, uh, the disease has already progressed. That's right. It is a late sign. Her doctor kept right. telling her she was getting fat and to exercise. So, here's the answer to your question, though, right here. Well, back to uh, what we talk about exercising, vegetable fruits, <laughs> avoiding sugary foods, <laughs> uh, reduce your stress, meditate, uh, exercise aerobic exercise, lift weights. And then the thing that we tend to forget about is sleep. The problem is that when you get too little sleep, you eat too much, in addition to the many other things you do. Talk about bad habits in general. <laughs> and the one thing they rarely talk about that we talk about is the role of meditation. So if you get hungry in the middle of the night, it's better just to 
try to fall back to sleep than rather that's correct. Than eat. Drink that's a glass of water instead. Yeah, not to drink water. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. It's a grandmother, uh, uh, 61 now. Uh, 10% chance of survival and she survived. Uh, pancreatitis is one of the uh, most malignant complications of COVID. Uh, and uh, very few people can survive that. 10% is thought to be high. Mm. I'm so glad that um, I, I had uh, pancreatitis a couple of times, but it was way, way before COVID came out. Well, um, most people with bad pancreatitis die, you know, and surgery or with, with or without surgery. Uh, and they, they take out the dead pancreas but most of the times those patients do not survive. So her surviving is, is miraculous. Dr. Callender, um, so someone with, uh, um, an, with a bad pancreas or a dead pancreas, they say they, they, they take out the, the dead organ? They take so out as much as they can. Right, they can't take out all of it because otherwise you have diabetes, but they take out as much as you can. And, uh, most of the patients who have that kind of surgery do not survive. Well, what, what about transplant? Well, you, you can't do a transplant in the face of somebody who has a, a dead, dead pancreas. So you have to wait till that process resolves before you can do a transplant. Mm -hmm. So um, chronic pancreatitis can be treated with uh, pancreatic transplant. But a necrotic or uh, dying or dead pancreas has to be removed. And then after you recover, then you may be a candidate for a transplant. So it, it is a le pretty lethal complication. <clears throat> Not as bad right now as pancreatic cancer, but uh, pretty bad, pretty close. Boy, I'm so fortunate. You know, they gave her a gift card to the Texas Roadhouse, <laughs> which is what we <coughs> talked about. The food there is not good for you. Because well, that's where she wanted to go. So <laughs> it didn't say that the food is good there. It just said that's that was her favorite food. restaurant. Right. So. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have convinced her to go to a healthier restaurant if there's such a Oh, thing. who wants to give God to a healthy restaurant? <laughs> this, was, this was her choice, Carol. Right. Yeah, it was her choice. Yeah, after surviving what she survived, oh. she she can she she she's earned one one day meal at a bad restaurant. Yeah. Now this is an interesting story because uh, uh, people who received J&J vaccine uh, don't need to worry because you already have it and you don't, didn't get Guillain-Barre. And actually, they had uh, uh, about uh, 15 million people who got J&J vaccine and only, uh, I think, uh, 
100 got uh, guillain barres guillain barres is a, a type of paralysis that you get that uh, often requires hospitalization and uh, it gives you temporary paralysis that, that often will go away uh, but uh, uh, the fact that a uh, uh, hundred people developed uh, Guillain-Barre out of, uh, I think it was uh, 12 million, something like that. So it's very uncommon, but if it occurs to you, then that makes it 100%. Uh, and they called it, it rare. Right? And I think that a uh, hundred people in the, uh, uh, a situation where you have about uh, 13 million uh, mm -hmm. Americans who actually got the vaccine is a small number, but if you're one of them, it, uh, it makes 100% for you. <laughs> now, the people who have received the vaccine, they, they, they don't have to worry because they, they didn't get it. Uh, but uh, there are a hundred people who did, so. And why uh, this happens with this is it may be related to the EDL, to, to what the J&J vaccine is uh, uh, based upon. I, I don't know whether that's a DNA vaccine or not. I suspect it might be. And if you had a J and J vaccine, nope. Because many people now are getting it because it's one dose, and uh, of course this will scare a lot of people. Those people who already didn't get the vaccine will use this as a reason, another reason not to get the vaccine. But they, they, they said something about even if you have the J and J. You're going to still need a booster. Well, then, then the question is uh, that that answer is not firm yet because studies haven't been done. Uh, it is it is evident that most people who receive the Moderna and the uh, Pfizer vaccine may not need a booster, uh, uh, but those transplant patients and immunosuppressed patients will need a booster. That's the one uh, thing that has come out of most of the recent studies <clears throat> so far. And as they, and I say, as I say, as they study more and more, you'll get more answers. But remember, the vaccine uh, was just began testing a year ago, so they don't have data on two years. They only have data on the first twelve months, and the data that they have on twelve months suggests that you don't need a booster unless you're immunosuppressed. Dr. Callender, we're hearing a lot about the uh, Delta variant. Um, do you think we're going to get back as bad as we were in um, when COVID started? There are a lot of areas where- Yeah, I think, I think uh, uh, for those people who are not vaccinated, yes. And uh, I think Maryland and Virginia reported that 100% uh, of those people who died from the virus we're not vaccinated. So we have a couple of articles about that too coming up. Yeah, and so 
it's clear that uh, the unvaccinated group are uh, the source of many of the uh, variants. And so it behooves all to get vaccinated. Now this is, this is a study that looks at the fact that children are rarely uh, coming down with this disease and rarely having hospitalizational mortality. Uh, and so uh, this is for those people under 12 who uh, uh, the question is whether the young people uh, under 12 need to be vaccinated. Uh, but uh, here again, the Black and Asians and Hispanics uh, are disproportionately associated with uh, the, the mortalities. Two per million, death rate two per million. That's pretty rare. So, you know, when you have a low risk population, then the question comes up, is the risk of vaccinating greater than the risk of problems with the disease? And so that's the question that remains to be answered. <laughs> now, those people who have uh, are high risk, that's another story. But those people who aren't, that's a question of whether it's worth the risk in those patients. Let me ask a question, Dr. Callender. Um, the vaccines that we had in the early days, uh, back in the, like polio, uh, did they have the vaccine? I think they vaccinated everybody, regardless of what age they were. Is that true? Yeah, yes. That was true, yeah. You know, people who wanted the vaccine, yeah. Mm -hmm. Polio and uh, yeah. smallpox. Yeah. And what did they do? And I don't know if you can answer this question. What did they do about um, babies, you know, and mothers who were pregnant and stuff with these vaccines? Not, I'm not understanding your question. Say it again. Uh, these vaccines that we had in the early part of last century, uh, polio and smallpox and those vaccines, how did they handle young babies under like three and how did they handle pregnant women during I, that time? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. We have to look that up. Because you're going back uh, many, many decades. And I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, now this is an interesting article that uh, polls still remain a problem. Uh, and they talking about these occurring more often in the summer than they used to. They used to be they were the only occurring in the fall, but now they're occurring in the summer. Uh, and uh, the the thought was that most of these colds were not occurring because of of the new masks and washing hands and social distancing. Uh, and some of the younger kids under the age of six, they still have these uh, viruses. But it, it is thought that uh, 
if they follow the same technique that we're following for COVID, that would minimize it in children. So, counter is uh, is the common cold? Is that a coronavirus as well? It's thought that it might be one of yeah. Some of them are yeah, but they're not uh, COVID. Here they talk about people under five whose immune systems haven't properly developed are still vulnerable to those viruses. And what you get is a bad cold, I think. I don't know if your grandchildren have had any of these things. Uh, Carol? Um, you know, usually they do have colds, but this past year or so, I haven't heard of anybody having a cold. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Uh, maybe because of the, the practices we have relative to, uh, but are the kids aren't washing their hands, are they? Um, we'll make them right before they eat. Hmm. But that's, that's something I never get is a cold. The past few weeks, I've had a bad cold. Um, it's better, much better, but it's dragging. And I never get a cold, especially in the summertime. Who gets a cold in the summertime? At least I haven't. But this year, for whatever reason, I've had a bad cold. Yeah, I, I usually get um, a summer cold. And I think it's because of the air conditioning in the car. I mm -hmm. drive a lot in the car and the air conditioning uh, blowing on me. I, I think it causes me to get a cold. I don't think I like air conditioning. Well, here they talk about reducing the risk is the same stuff that we're doing already. Yeah. I have a, a get nasal uh, allergies and stuff with air conditioning. And it's really the, the blowing, the draft part. So I have an air purifier that just blows constantly and so it makes my nose drip so it's the blower in your air conditioner maybe and they talk about this this there's a uh, seasonal allergies that many of us have and they talk about the fact that if you have a new loss of taste or smell you need to think of COVID rather than the allergies. You know, this is a time of year where people run a lot of ceiling fans. And if your ceiling fan blades are dusty, uh, that puts a lot of pollutants in the air, which uh, you could react as hay fever or cold or whatever. So, you know, cleaning air ducts, things like uh, ceiling fan blades uh, can be very important. True that. I agree. This is a uh, this it, this interesting article that talks about a, a church camp it was linked to more than 125 cases of COVID-19. 
I know exactly why. I know exactly why, Dr. Callender. Why is that? Because they don't wipe down the chess pieces between games. <laughs> so they started doing that, you know. And it's like they're 24 pieces uh, on a, ch well, 48 uh, pieces on a chessboard. And you have to wipe down each piece before, I see. They, before they play. Well, it, it makes you wonder what's going to happen this summer as kids go off to camp and all of that. Well, they've been playing virtually um, for a couple of months, but uh, when they go back to the in-person chess camp, they're going to have the same protocol. They're going to wipe down each piece after each game. Okay. But there's more than just chess camp. There are other type of camps also. Right. Well, I think this is uh, kind of frightening, though, to see that uh, as the kids go to camp and other camps, they have all kinds of camps now, basketball camps, tennis camps, you name it, camps. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this impacts uh, covid Why are they opening up the camps? I guess because they can. <laughs> okay, so what they're saying is that COVID is over with. Everything opens up and everything is normal. Well, it's not normal, but it's it's opening. Things are opening up almost everywhere, uh, and we act as though it's over, but it's not. I know they're asking um, government workers to go back to work. DC was told to go back this week. <clears throat> I have a friend who works for the federal government, but it's an agency under Pelosi, and they had to report back to work, I think, two days the past week. They told them this week, don't come back. The Delta variant is too serious. They'd rather they stay home longer. So to me, that's saying a lot. Is it going to get worse? Or do they think it's going to be as bad as uh, not quite a year ago, eight months ago, whatever? But anyway, they told them, uh, don't come back into the office. Well, I know one thing, Janice. Uh, my sister who lives near Seattle works in a hospital. And just this week, they're making plans for everybody to go home and work virtually. So they're doing just the opposite. Go home. Go home. Yeah, work from home. Work from home. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I know at, at Howard, uh, as of July 26, everybody's expected to come back to work. Yeah, j mm -hmm. just the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so DC government just... came back this week. DC government had to come back this week. But the interesting thing is that, you know, the state of Washington has reached higher than the 70% threshold. Mm -hmm. And now they're doing just the opposite of what Howard is doing. I'm thinking, so that just goes to show you that we really don't know. Right. Right. And time will tell. And, uh, yeah. And deaths will tell. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Now it's interesting that California is requiring face masks at school. <clears throat> I don't know what the DC uh, situation is, but. Uh, They're going Anybody back. hear about what the the uh, it's going to happen in D.C. for? Yeah, D.C. They're going back. Maybe, they're going but they're going to. Are they going to have to wear masks? Um, probably, I would say yes, but I, that's just a guess. I know that we talked about this earlier, though, that all the teachers would have to have both of their shots, or one shot if it's J and J. They would have to have their shots, and the kids, they didn't say anything about whether they would have to have shots or not. Well, so time will tell, as you said, uh, as we, as we, uh, time moves on, we'll get more answers to the question. That uh, just lets you know that there's no national mandate. Everything is run by per state. Right. They do what right. they feel is best for their state. You know, e even though the, the children may not suffer as much from COVID, but they can still carry it, you know. So this is why I think the, with, with that Delta variant, if they get the Delta variant and they don't get sick but come to school without a mask and the teachers get it, they're going to have to shut down the school anyway because there won't be any more teachers. Well, if the teachers are vaccinated, theoretically, that shouldn't be a problem. Now the question is: Are all the teachers mandated to be vaccinated? Yes. Even yes. If they are though. Okay. All, all the breakthrough cases, even though they won't they won't be hospitalized, maybe or 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 die from it, they can still get COVID. Right, but uh, but uh, they they will at least be protected by the vaccine. Yeah. The other thing, John, is that you know just like the basketball players that came down with COVID. If a student or a teacher comes down with COVID in a building, I think you mentioned it, they're gonna, one case is gonna have to shut down the whole school. That's right. I doubt it. But it'd be interesting to see. I doubt it, especially if they're all vaccinated. But, but time will tell, right. Now you see what this says. CDC recommends masking indoors for unvaccinated students and teachers in U.S. school. That's the broad sweep. <clears throat> I don't know how that will impact upon the local regional schools. The problem is that, uh, what about the parents of the children? <laughs> Are they vaccinated? They can't come to the PTA meeting. Uh -uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just amazing how, as we talked about in the, uh, uh, uncertainty of who's going to be vaccinated, who's not going to be vaccinated. Now it's interesting the big war they're having about whether or not you should take a third vaccine shot, and uh, that war goes on. Uh, CDC says no, you don't need it. Pfizer says it's okay to take it. Who's right? <laughs> CDC, because I think Pfizer wants more money. Well, that nobody would argue that because that's what that's what they're incumbent in. 
the company's about. <laughs> they also uh, have demonstrated that you have a five to ten foam jump after the third shot. So the question is, uh, how many people taking the third shot have side effects? That's the question. And I think uh, there's a study that talks about that as well. I think it's better to have that third shot ready to go if we need it. As long as uh, uh, the side effects are remain as minimal as they were, uh, it's it's a cost benefit ratio. Uh, if you if you have very few side effects uh, and, and they're all minor, uh, then uh, it may be worth it. But right now, there's a division. Uh, Pfizer says yes, and CDC says no. And the only thing that is clear is that if you're immunosuppressed, you must get a booster shot. That's just in order for you to have the normal level of vaccination and antibody production. So is, is age a factor in this? I know they keep saying uh, those over 70 or 75. Say again? Is age part of that category that may need the older people? Except that uh, the older people have uh, demonstrated to have uh, good antibody titers. Uh, it's, it's really only the immunosuppressed group that have not demonstrated good antibody titers. Okay. It is true, though, Dr. Counter, that uh, people over 70 is when their immune system starts weakening. That's correct, but the studies did not demonstrate that there's any difference in terms of antibody protection in people okay. over 70. Thank you. The general statement is correct. Yeah. Dr. Callender, I have a friend who had COVID in January or something. And she said her doctors have tested her and see that said that she still has antibiotics and she doesn't need the vaccine. Is that true? I don't know. You said antibiotics. Did you mean antibodies or antibodies? What? Right. Okay. Say it again because I thought you said antibiotics. Okay. I have a friend who had COVID in January. Okay. She said her doctors have tested her and said that she didn't need the shot because she had the antibodies oh okay uh so your question is is that true it could be if they've done specific tests uh to find out the level of antibodies then that could be true okay yeah. i thought that didn't happen i don't know i i don't know i i had a hard time swallowing that pill because i didn't know that that was happening here well they they can test for antibodies and they can find out if her level of antibodies is very high. The general recommendation is that you've had COVID that you should get vaccinated because it will boost your immune system even higher. Uh, but the specific situation where she's had antibody tests that have demonstrated that her antibody level is very high may be an exception to the rule. Okay. Hey, yeah, Dr. Calder, and you have said before that um, sometimes when a person gets COVID, their natural antibodies 
begin to increase in some people. Yeah, and then there's evidence that uh, uh, there are uh, antibodies in, in some people uh, that uh, prevent our immune systems from developing the antibodies against COVID. And so uh, those people who don't have uh, this antibody might be able to develop COVID antibody levels that are quite high. And so that could be an exception to the rule if they've actually done antibody testing to demonstrate how high her antibody levels are. Dr. Callender, is it any um, recommendation if you have these high antibodies that you should get tested periodically or period, over a period of time to ensure that those antibodies stay at a certain level? Right now, as I said, they've only been able to test people up to 12 months. So uh, as they do more studies, they're able to answer that question. Right now, they can only indicate that, uh, well, 95% of the people who receive the vaccine have adequate antibody levels. So there's no reason necessarily to get that done again unless... Uh, unless you uh, think that you're immunosuppressed or, or have some reason to believe that your immune system is already compromised. So if you don't have, if you're not on any medications that uh, suppresses your immune system, uh, there's no uh, evidence that uh, you need a booster shot. Uh, although uh, what Pfizer is saying is that uh, even if you have a nice immune system, you'll, you'll be 10 times as high after the booster shot. Uh, so, and, and so that would mean that as long as you uh, don't get any side effects from the medication, you'll be well protected, uh, maybe even forever. So, yeah. okay. so that, that, that is why the uh, dilemma uh, and why Pfizer is saying, take the shot, and CDC is saying, you don't need to take the shot. Thank you. But, uh, and as Fauci is saying in this article, as they do more studies on these people who've taken, who took the vaccine 12 months ago and it gets to 24 months, then you'll have the definitive answer. Uh, so we don't really have a definitive answer yet. And it may well turn out that uh, we may need a booster shot. But right now, based upon the data that we have here in the United States, it appears as though uh, you don't need the booster shot. But time will tell. That's the real truth of the matter. Uh, we don't have all the answers yet. Uh, and so... So that's the situation. And uh, as we get more data that shows that most of the uh, deaths that occur from COVID are in unvaccinated patients, it becomes even more of a, a requirement to get the vaccine. And that's why almost all hospitals by the end of the year will require all staff to have uh, been vaccinated. 
Now this is this is kind of amazing that uh, uh, it's almost uh, a year and a half later and they still have state of emergency in Tokyo. And the games begin uh, 23rd, which is uh, next week. Next week. Next Thursday. Yeah. Friday. Next Friday. 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 Next Friday. Friday, yeah. So that's kind of interesting because that this means that the only way you know about the uh, Olympics is uh, by uh, news reports that TV and uh, uh, papers and radio. Mm -hmm. well, I think that's the best thing to do. Disappointing to some, but essential for all. That's interesting. Only thirty percent are vaccinated. That's surprisingly low for Japan. Wow. Hmm. And you notice a number of athletes have, have uh, decided against participating in the Olympics. There's one swimmer who's, uh, who's got a world record holder. He refuses to get vaccinated. So what are they going to do about it? They won't let him in or what? No, he probably won't be able to get into the country, will he? I haven't heard yet. He's on the team. Oh, he's the best in the country. Well, I guess the country probably be without him. <laughs> now, this is an article that was very uh, perplexing because it talks about the depression and anxiety that follows the illness because of the devastation, because of all of the losses. We're now at a point where we've had more than 4 million deaths in the world and more than 605,000 deaths in the United States. And so the grief is uh, unending. The holes that are left in people's hearts all over the country and all over the world uh, uh, is unending. And the grief and depression persists and will persist for years to come. It's interesting. I remember that Charles Drew uh, actually became interested in medicine because his sister died of the 1918 pandemic. Uh, so that mourning and grief process endures for years and years. And we're facing the same uh, thing now. Dr. Calder, when... Um when a person does die of COVID on the death certificate, does it say COVID? Yes. I was asking that because I had read where, um, you know, I think some people can be reimbursed funeral expenses for family members who have died of COVID. And they said in that article that 
the death certificate did not say COVID, so the person could not get the reimbursement. Yeah, well, uh, uh, it's up to the doctor to write the correct diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes uh, they don't write the correct diagnosis. And if they don't, then you suffer the consequences. That's, that's tough, that's tough. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's a difficult determination if there's underlying conditions. Yeah, sometimes it can be. Sometimes it can be. A lot of times they put on the death certificate natural causes or OAH or something like that. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, if you're over 100, a hundred, that may be the case. You can put anything when you're well, under a hundred, but those people under a hundred, uh, they they should write the cause if they know the cause. And then, let me look at my father's death certificate while you all are still talking. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. He was a hundred and one. Yeah, and, and um, let's see. I'm sure he's not Hispanic. Oh, they put manner of death natural. I get ready to say yeah. it was natural. <laughs> yeah, he went to sleep and didn't wake up. Right, didn't wake up. Yeah. But I was thinking about we had another church member, and I may have to. I may check that. She was a hundred and six, but she got COVID. Is what was reported to us, and I'm wondering what her death certificate said. <laughs> that would be interesting, yeah. Yes. And like Sylvia said, she should be able to get reimbursed from all yeah. her uh, funeral expenses. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Dr. Calendar right here under the bottom, I didn't see this at first, it says cardiac osteoporosis and hypertension. Those are, not, those are natural causes. Yeah, it manner of death was natural, but the cause of death, A, cardiac osteoporosis, B, hypertension. Okay. Um, this, is, this is an interesting article that uh, considers these deaths preventable when you have unvaccinated parts of the country driving the pandemic. That's an interesting perspective, which is pretty accurate. Uh, that, uh, and, and there's another article that talks about how many deaths uh, were prevented by the vaccine. Uh, one article suggests there was about 250,000 deaths that were prevented because of the new vaccine. And of course, all of these deaths that we're talking about now from Delta, uh, 99% of them are uh, preventable by the vaccine. So, well, 95%. So, and, and so the the urgency of the pro of the situation of trying to get as many people vaccinated has not changed. As a matter of fact, could be intensified.
But there's still, as you as we mentioned before, there's still people who uh, refuse to be vaccinated. So whatever, whatever reasons they have. Dr. Calendar, what, what bothers me most are the anti-mask people who are anti-vax people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's a concern, all right. They refuse to get vaccinated and refuse to wear the mask. Well, some people bother me who even more than those people are the people who wear masks but don't cover their noses because they, they're not wearing masks properly. And so that, that, that group bothers me more than the other people. At least those are masses, they're not pretending. But those people with masks to keep the mask <sighs> nose, then that's, that, that's a waste of time. <laughs> Dr. Callender, uh, what if a person, uh, let's say a, a transplant person, a man who had a double lung transplant said, let's say for instance, he, uh, had been vaccinated, but he became, uh, what do you say, a carrier. Uh, is that possible? I don't understand your question. Yeah, uh, I think my question is based on being asymptomatic. I'm talking about a transplant recipient who uh, gets the vaccinations, both of them, but becomes asymptomatic. Is that possible? You say, yes. Now, if I'm, I'm, I'm understanding, he's, he's, been, he's been vaccinated. Right. Okay. And he, and he contracts the virus and he's asymptomatic. Yeah, that's possible. Okay. So then that means that people, uh, transplant recipients who've been had all their vaccinations, they become asymptomatic. They can uh, they can cause someone else to get the virus. Yeah, they could. And of course, it's recommended they should get a booster shot anyway. Yeah, booster shot plus the mask and hand you know hand sanitizer and gloves and everything. Well, if you if you have if you have an active a virus and you can transmit it. Yes. Theoretically. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now this this is a man who had double lung transplant. Now one of the things about uh, a lung transplant, you can't get a lung transplant unless the donor and the recipient are negative. Uh, so you can get the virus, then they eliminate the virus, and then you can uh, be transmitted theoretically. He's the only member of his family who passed on getting vaccinated. Can you say that again? Can you repeat that? What it says here, he was the only member of his family who passed on getting vaccinated. And once hospitalized, he asked to be inoculated. So he, the night before his intubate, he wanted to be vaccinated. I think we talked about this before, but uh, if you if you have COVID and you need a transplant, 
you can't get the transplant until the COVID is resolved. That's correct. Okay. Wow, that's pretty sad. Remember, we had talked about that one patient who got a double lung transplant successfully. And he wants, it's nice that he wants people to learn what happened to him and wants them to get vaccinated. Better late than never. Yeah, that's a breath of fresh air. <clears throat> Looks like he doesn't he doesn't look that old either though. The beard is not gray yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looks kind of young. At least under fifty. Well it's it's uh, it really makes you really think and wonder about those people who uh, who are still reluctant. Uh, I don't know what else you can do. Anybody got any thoughts, additional thoughts? Because they raise the ante, they give it incentives. What else can you do? Lock them up. <laughs> 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 Betty, you already talked about you can pay the people. Yeah. You get well, they're doing that. They're doing yeah. it. Yeah. My, my grandson still his 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 uh argument is he doesn't know what might be in the vaccine, which I think is a crazy argument. Well <laughs> I don't expect that he will know. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's that's his argument. And uh, he hasn't yet, but uh, I'm still pushing. But it's interesting, uh, yesterday, on, just yesterday, um, someone knocked on our door and they were canvassing the neighborhood for people who had not gotten vaccinated and they were willing to vaccinate him at home. He wasn't oh. here. He wasn't here, but uh, they left a little <laughs> they left a little door hanger, and I'm certainly going to give it to him. And it has where you can call to schedule a home vaccination. <laughs> so mm. that's pretty uh, nice. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, that's gone. That's gone pretty far. I but. was impressed by Maryland, <laughs> PG County. Yeah. That's very good. Very good. Yeah. I'll tell them what's in the vaccine. <laughs> you don't know, John. <laughs> Antibodies against the COVID nineteen pandemic. That's what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask a question. Um, I was looking through my Afro Mac paper and I saw a article about Living Legacy Foundation of Maryland. Uh, you all familiar with that? No. No. Okay, it's an organization that 
um, promotes uh, donors, organ donors. Oh, Living Legacy, I know about Yes, Living Legacy, okay, Living Legacy, okay. Yeah. I just wondered whether you all were. Yeah, I'm very, very okay. well aware, very, okay. yeah. it's a long, long last, long existing. Uh, yes. Uh, one Legacy, yeah, yeah well yeah. known. They're doing a good job, yeah. Yeah, okay, I just wondered. Yeah, nice article about them in the paper. I have a question. Um, before my daughter got vaccinated, you know, she said she just didn't trust, you know, the, the vaccination process so or the vaccine. So I asked the question of her, well, what research have you done to prove your point? Well, not much, but is there um, like a website people like, well, she did get vaccinated, but is there a website that could help individuals become more <clears throat> become more knowledgeable of this is what's in it yeah this no, is where yeah if they really want to know all you do is you google uh covid okay. they got all they got so many articles you i mean yes there are plenty of of uh, opportunities if somebody really wants to be educated educated about it you know, so, so so betty i would ask your grandson has he yes. done research no, I'm sure he has. <laughs> just, just listening to what people say, I'm sure he has. Peer pressure. There's a, yes. there's a good website. There's a just like, remember, Chris told us that he wasn't going to be vaccinated. Yes. There's a YouTube channel called Black Health Matters the Howard University group hospital session uh, group session has been talking about COVID for over the last year. So they could tune into that YouTube channel and get plenty of information and do all the research. Okay. Black help matters. Okay. Yeah. That's Daryl's program, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with promoting yourself. No, he answered your question. Yeah, we've been yeah. talking about this for a year with plenty of research and he gets to see all on YouTube. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And also, the uh, the CDC site has a ton of educational links. Oh my goodness! Every every aspect of uh, vaccinations, the virus itself, how it spreads, uh, and the research on it. Well, that was the question. You know, I put to my my daughter, "What research have you done to justify you're not taking the vaccine?" So. She couldn't respond to that, so I said, "So go get it." So she did, but I'm just saying, you sound like <clears throat> one of the mother. You know what? I just said, "Go get vaccinated." You know, you have nothing to support your statement that you don't trust it, and that's what—that's the question I asked. If you don't trust it, then where's your support? Well, you got to be empathetic. Their their support comes from all the disinformation they get on social media. Yeah, it's not. Um, uh, it's not voluntary research that they're doing. It's passive because they're accepting all this disinformation. Mm -hmm. They're just listening to their friends and stuff. But this is another question I want to ask Dr. Callan. Um, my grandson, same one, was born with a crisscross heart. And I was wondering when they started talking about the people 25 and over getting some kind of reaction with the heart, um, that kind of made me start wondering. So is, do you think there's any um, 
would there be any problem with him getting the vaccination with the CRISPR? Well, they, well for, what they mentioned uh, uh, is that uh, pericarditis, which is inflammation of the sac around the heart, mm -hmm. uh, not the heart itself, uh, has occurred in that it was not associated with uh, mortality, but it has been associated with some mild symptoms that were, were self-limited. Uh, but but side effects occur, uh, and uh, except that they're very uncommon. Okay. The other thing about Chris, I was wondering, Janice, what his excuse is because he comes on our group session, and so he should know better. So what's his excuse? He said he doesn't want it. Period. Yeah, but why? He's different now, believe me. But no, he still hasn't. Uh, been vaccinated. What is this rationale? That's what I'm asking. Um, the fact that he's ex-military and the military <laughs> told what to do. And this is something that he has a choice and he's decided not to. The good thing <laughs> is his children now have been vaccinated. So that was my concern. Um, Chris needs other help right now, but uh, as a matter of fact, he injured his leg too. So he's laid up for about three, four months, but uh, so he's always got something going on. Yeah, well, I understand about that ex-military because when you're in the yeah. military, you're told what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. To do it. And exactly. once you get out of the military, you say, hey, look, I don't have to obey anybody anymore. <laughs> That's his only rationale. So no, he still hasn't been vaccinated. It's like John was talking about some of these people who say, turn, you know, close their nose and say, I don't have to do it. And then I ain't, you can't make me do it. And I ain't doing it. Um, Dr. Callender, this is sort of off the subject, but I, as much input I can get from different people, I'm trying to utilize it. Uh, I think a couple of you are familiar with the case. I got a friend who has been in the hospital for a meniscus torn of the knee, um, obese, overweight. Uh, they sent him, he has Kaiser insurance. They sent him home. He's by himself in an apartment and they have this home health aid, but he needs someone around the clock because he's not able to get in a wheelchair or get out. He had to have the fire department to help him. I've contacted mm -hmm. social services, adult protection agency, and I'm trying to contact Kaiser. Yet I was thinking about going seven on my side because um, friends, we have rallied around trying to get him food. Um, the health, every time the health agency comes in, whether it's a visiting nurse or the health aide, they say, oh, this is horrible. He should not be here. Then they leave. <laughs> and, and no help and this has been over a week now is there any other suggestions the fire department from maryland say they will only come to your house two or three times unlike dc but i heard dc started charging too for mm -hmm. someone so is there any other resource that i can go to is he in prince george's county yes he is um I will give you uh, picket fences, senior services uh, may be able to assist, but there are basically no 24 hour um, assistance, anything uh, in your home. 
I mean, that, that just doesn't, unless you have private insurance, it covers that. Okay, um, with Kaiser and my suggestion, and everybody is saying that, that visit him from the healthcare, that he should go back into rehab right. than exactly. been sent home. That, so that would be the logical thing. That so, would be the logical thing. But, but Kaiser said that he's been up there days and it's not something that he won't recover from. It's just that they didn't give him enough time. So I'll try, um, if you can give it to me in the chat of who to contact or I can call you. Picket. Huh? Picket, picket fences, senior picket services. Okay, picket fences, senior mm -hmm. services. I got it. Wait, I, I, I like I have a number here. Side idea. I think seven on your side is a really good uh, resource for you. Yeah, we could try that. Seven hey. on your side is probably going to refer you back to the to Kaiser um, because it's the health. Kaiser would have to um, to recommend or, or do the prescription for rehab, um, but it sounds like in um, in in hospital or in facility care is pretty much what he needs at this point. Yeah, it's it's. it's <laughs>